0: I'm Shereen Patek, and this is Starting Out. Is today's newest podcast where I take the personal route with the biggest movers and shakers in the marketing industry to find out their story, how they became the leaders they are today, and what's their special power that makes their craft so remarkable. Sometimes there are a lot of hard things to do and decisions to make in this industry, but to get it done, you have to remember the bottom line. It's all about entertaining people.
1: It's so funny, every time we have a piece of work, I try to go, okay, if I wasn't connected to this brand and I wasn't connected to this agency, and I saw this, would I, as just a person, be entertained? The things that we're competing against are the things that people will, you know, the, the millions of messages and, and enter- pieces of entertainment that they see on their phones every day and their their computer screens every day and their TV screens, and we have to try to be as good as that. We have to try to be better than that because we're selling, we're selling something. I think entertainment is table stakes.
0: That's Jamie Robinson, co-founder of creative agency, Joan, and the guest on today's show. She's learned and honed her craft with some of the biggest names in the industry, and she's delivered stellar work at many, many agencies. But this entrepreneur and veteran industry executive is, at heart, an entertainer. And one of her favorite audiences is the doorman at her office building.
1: Every morning I come in and I say hi to our doorman at the office, and he we have like a really great relationship. So I know that that sounds crazy, but... Um, yeah, like he, his name is Winston, and he's just the coolest dude that ever walked the face of the earth. So, are uh, you the
0: only person who like has that relationship with him?
1: Well, I don't know. I it's so funny because he we had this ongoing. Um, I, I sing his name. We we have a conversation about you know usually the weather, <laughs> but you know and like how he's feeling and everything, and it and it's a little bit you know I come in dancing sometime. I want to make him happy, and um and it's funny because after a while he asked someone, "What is that?" Woman do for your company? And they're like, oh, she's the one who founded it, and he was like, she's the boss. Oh, he didn't know no, you were the boss. No, and, and and it was like it was a revelation because I don't I don't know. I, he was just like well, she's so silly, you know. I guess <laughs> that's the answer. I
0: didn't think bosses could be silly. <laughs> I guess that was it. You know what? That reminds me of one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was when you walk into any place, and this is when, you know, I was graduating from journalism school and I would go into these, um, like I, I I, really shot for the stars. I went to all the big publishers in the business and, you know, with my resume and we had this little portfolio because I was a print journalist and um, and I'd walk in and the best piece of advice was always be really, really nice to the first person you see. So that could be in some cases like the receptionist. Sometimes it's just the assistant of yeah. the person you're about to meet. Sometimes it's actually a doorman because, they kept telling me that all of these really top editors go later and ask the receptionist or the assistant or the doorman, was that person nice? Huh. Or like, or were they just rude? Because some people are rude. Yeah, Some people just pretend like they don't exist or they're straight rude. And that'll tell them a lot about who you are as a person. It's always make a good first impression. And that does not start from the interview. It starts from the minute you walk in the door.
1: Well, that's, that's great advice. I <laughs> We have to ask the people at Digiday how I was, the, the woman, how I was when I walked in.
0: We she was a assistant. bitch. No, no, I wasn't. No, no, I know you weren't. That is not who you are. So yeah, no, that just reminds me of that. Um, how It's funny because you started as an assistant,
1: right? I did, yeah. I actually started um, as an intern at Mad Dogs and Englishmen. And um, it was kind of funny because I really lucked out big time. Um, I didn't go to ad school. I went to regular four-year college and I was an English major and a... Uh, I tried to be an economics minor, but then realized that um, my brain didn't really work that way pretty, pretty soon into it. And so I went to be a creative writing minor. And in the last year of school, they had um, an advertising competition class thing that you could do. And I kind of always really wanted to do advertising. Um, but I didn't know how to get into the business. And from winning that on a national level, it was the National Student Advertising Competition, we were able to get a, an internship, the people that won, in New York City at an ad agency. And so um, there were two ad agencies that I was offered. One was um, an agency at the time that was not is not existent anymore, which was called uh, Warwick Baker O'Neill, and another agency which was called Mad Dogs and Englishmen. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just go. And I, I um, went interviewing to both of them, and I wore my little Allie McBeal suit, like a long <laughs> jacket and a short short skirt, and my heels and my pantyhose, and I had a briefcase that had nothing in it. And um, you felt like you had to carry a briefcase. I literally (laughs) carried a (laughs) briefcase. Because you can't just walk in empty (laughs) handed. Exactly. I was like, (laughs) I gotta look like a businesswoman, but I had nothing in it. And um, and I walked in, and Mad Dogs was like this crazy place. Like I was attacked by a a little this dachshund mix that was like named Jock and attacked everybody. And people were playing you know uh, basketball with a trash can. And um, and and I met my interviewer, which was Dave Cook, who is the most I love him to death. Taught me everything you know from from day one. Um, and and he had a, his T-shirt was Barney. Um, shooting heroin and yeah. he had this t-shirt he had designed himself and I was like oh my god this place is fucking nuts and I went to Warwick Obaker or and it was like a really legit advertising agency and um no heroin shooting barney. no no heroin <laughs> shooting bar- barney and um and so thankfully they both offered me an internship and they didn't they were like what do you want to do mm-hmm. and I was like well, what do you mean and they're like "Well, do you want to be an account person a, a creative or a or strategist i'm like i don't know what those i don't what's the difference i don't know what's the difference tell me so um uh, i took a little copy test copy test that dave uh, administered which was basically creating new executions off the village voice campaign mm. and um and he and you know he must have liked what he saw i really worked hard on it and so they gave me an internship so i spent a summer there as an intern um and after the internship uh ended I was like, oh, crap, I got to go and get um, a job to pay for my life. And so I started temping. And I was temping for a week, and they called me back, and they said, you know what? You know, we don't really have a job for a cop as a copywriter for you right now, but we really like your energy. Could you come back and be a creative assistant? So I, I said, okay. And I came back, and they're like, and you can do some copywriting jobs on the side. Cool. Yeah and and i actually was a terrible creative assistant like i What is a creative assistant to? Okay well this was back in 1998 mm-hmm. so um by the way everyone now knows how old i am but there you go and that is uh, nothing <laughs> To keep a secret. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) This is back in 1998. And so what I did, and at Mad Dogs Englishman, was probably something different, was I did collect all the physical portfolios because nobody had a website. And I kept track of them. And I tried to show the best ones to Dave and Michael. I um, filled in as receptionist um, for a couple hours a day. Were people nice to you? They were very nice to me. They were. They were. It was a great place. It was a great vibe. Um, And then I... um, you know, I, I don't know, I did like little odd things, but mostly, like I spray mounted. This was back when everybody spray mounted things onto boards. You had to, before you went to a client presentation, you brought like physical boards. And I spray mounted, but I was so bad at it that the art directors were like, don't, you know what, you just don't have to do this anymore. Uh, So... This is good career advice. When it's yeah. stuff you don't like, don't be, just be bad at it. Be terrible at it. So um, I was working all night trying to do the copywriting assignments and picking up the assignments. And uh, about eight months later, they said, OK, we'll make you a full time copywriter. You know, you, you've done a, You've done a good job. And um, and so, you know, that was that.
0: Do you um, do you remember what the first kind of piece of work that you ever did that you were just really proud of? Was there one that you like? You know, mm. called your family about and was like, hey man, listen,
1: look at this. Yeah, it was, you know, there was a, it, oh, during my internship and it was, I don't even know what it said, but I know I did get a banner produced for The Economist and, um, and I think it was probably really one of the worst banners that they produced, <laughs> but I, I got it through so I was really excited. I was super excited. Do you, you remember know, what it said? Oh, I wish I did. I wish I did. I, I, I keep, you know, a couple years ago I tried to go find it. And um, and it was probably it was a B two B thing for the Economist, and I believe it was something about. It might have been like there was one we I know I worked on, which was like your boss's 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 newspaper. It was like I'm pretty sure I worked on that one. Nice. It was it was like that basic though. It was really basic. <laughs> It was, it was it a, repeated a bunch of words. Yeah. I was like, just, you know what? Throw another, throw another boss in there the make it secret like. secret to great <laughs> copywriting right here with actually one of the most
0: celebrative creatives uh. of our time. So, you know, people will take this seriously. Listen, now.
1: just add a couple more repeti- <laughs> repeated words. It's going to get you a gold, man. Great. <laughs> what
0: was your, so that was, you know, your first kind of, I guess, professional job in the yes. industry. Did you
1: work before
0: that? Did you, oh. you know, did you work as a kid? Did you do anything like that? Yeah,
1: I've been working. my my father told me when I was little he said you know Jane, money is great but money feels better when you've earned it like that's great to buy something with something you've earned so I, I my first real job was delivering papers I would be the free newspaper the one that you see on your driveway and you want to throw out I delivered those in Long Island and it was over the winter and my twin sister and I got on bikes around four in the morning and we had a big big basket full of newspapers each it was like the penny saver or something like that and we would go and we would chuck it on people's um you know driveways and it was freezing cold and um and I remember we just used to make up all these crazy stories to keep us entertained like we I, I still remember we made up these characters Janos and Svendor I don't know who they, they were like some guys from somewhere eastern European I don't know where sounds Georgian <laughs> I think so and we, we had so much fun delivering them, but it was it was really tough. And then I uh, actually started a business when I was maybe in tenth, ninth, or tenth grade, which was a um, uh, children's party entertainer. And that was really were fun. you a
0: clown? <laughs>
1: I, I, I was a clown I didn't wear makeup except for I put a lot of blush on and a lot of red lipstick on like around the outsides of my lips to make me look a little funnier but I would go to children's parties and I would um I would uh, dance and sing and play with them and um and I was relatively cheap for parents and I remember one time and, and like kids that were at that party would like be like oh, what was your want- cl- what was your name it wasn't um, Jamie. It was Crazy Jamie. Crazy Jamie. Crazy Jamie. Right. Crazy like Jamie. It. And so um, I remember my the best thing that happened was um, we were uh, at a party and um, Barney the parents had also sprung for the Barney guy. Uh, he was again Barney. It's kind of a consistent theme. This he's, is oh, he's he follows me around. Just so, <laughs> so creepy. But um, So you were competing against Barney. I was That's I was hard. But no. Allow me to tell you this. This is how good at being a clown I was, that the kids didn't want pictures with Barney. They all wanted pictures with me at the end, and oh. I was just like, it. It was really sweet. Um, so that was that was, I think, the first business.
0: Uh, it's funny. So you know, there's a the Barney theme, um, <laughs> but then there's another theme, which is sort of entertaining people. I mean, you've you you still walk into your office that you know at a company you founded and own and entertain the doorman and. You started, you almost started as an entertainment. How how important is it to kind of just, I think people sometimes forget in advertising, right? That it's actually just entertainment. It's, it's a different form of entertainment. It's about making people laugh or cry or feel. Um, and it gets stuck in these you know, very complicated things as we talk about digital and all of that. But it feels like that's really the point.
1: Yeah. It, um, we in our industry wring our hands a lot about a lot of things, and it's um, it's so funny. Every time we have a piece of work, I try to go, okay, if I wasn't connected to this brand and I wasn't connected to this agency, and I saw this, would I, as just a person, be entertained? Would I be? Would it be something that I would want to watch and I would want to share? And it's, it's something we try to remind our clients of before we ever present anything in a, in a meeting. We try to say, like, guys, let's all try to come to this room first as humans and then, and then as marketers. And, and we can really figure out if something is smart and if it makes sense for the business and work through it. But first, we have to make sure that we fall in love with it as people. Um, yeah, I, I think entertainment is, um, it is so key for us to get past a lot of the hurdles we are facing right now. Um, it used to be that um, we put our our work on a channel, and no one could skip past it, and no one could you know, people could zip zap, which was the old just changing the channels, but no one did because they were lazy, um, and 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 that that piece of you know of communication would get fed to you. But now, the things that we're competing against are the things that people will, you know, the the millions of messages and and. Enter pieces of entertainment that they see on their phones every day and their, their computer screens, every day and their TV screens. And we have to try to be as good as that. We have to try to be better than that because we're selling we're selling something. Um, so yeah, so I, I think entertainment is is the most important thing we can do. Of course, we have to be strategically smart, and um, and we have to try to obviously hold ourselves to good values. But um, but those are, I think, table stakes. I think the next thing we really have to, to focus on is just making something that people are dying to see. You know, it's you said you said sort of people are wringing
0: their hands, and I think there's definitely this sense of kind of gloom and doom over you know, especially digital advertising, and as more things as more advertising moves to digital, all of advertising that you know, are we going to be irrelevant? Are we doing anything right? You know, there's too much, there's KPIs, there's strategy. Um, And I often wonder about the place of a creative mind in that because I think many times, and it seems like this tide is washing over everybody that kind of questions, oh, does does it matter if it's really creative? You know, people are gonna skip past it anyway. People are gonna block it anyway. And I think it's it's created almost a sense of, I don't know, doom and gloom in the industry that I sense more than I've ever sensed before. but you've been in this industry way longer than I have. Is, has it
1: always been like this? Um, no, I think I think it's I think it is a thing that people are feeling right now. I think it is a, um, I think we used to put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be better than each other, and do better work than each than the other agencies. I think now we have to put pressure on ourselves to do better work than uh, Adult Swim, than HBO, than. Um, any magazine that they're or publication they're going to read online. Um, I think that it's actually a huge opportunity for creative. Uh, to me, it's like mind blowing that anyone would see this as the death of creativity because I feel like this is just um, the biggest door that got opened for creativity because you need to find ways to get people to want to come to your brand and to be a part of your your um, the message you have to say. You know, um, so for me, I, I think it's actually the best time in the world to be a creative. Plus. Sorry, I got excited. Plus, um, yeah, yeah, I did. It had been you know, <laughs>
0: two minutes and you <laughs> hadn't said anything yet. That was
1: <laughs> exclamatory sense. <laughs> plus, plus, we have so many great, um, you know, different tools at our disposal. Like we can make stories that people take and, and interact with and turn around and give you something back. We can find ways that people can um, uh, physically, you know, use, well, physically use their computer <laughs> mouses. And their keyboards, but to take part and help co-author a story. Like I just feel like the ability to play and be creative with humans has never been better. And so for me, i'm I'm stoked about that. I want that. I, I don't like broadcast. I wish we had to fight for our our attention, for everybody's attention all the time. Um, that's,
0: that reminds me of something because we, I think we met when you were working on beauty inside and yes. that was, that was amazing. And I still remember sort of, that was, I think maybe like my second year kind of, you know, writing about this stuff and covering this industry. And I was like, wow, like we can participate. Like I'd never thought of it in that way. Um, Tell me about kind of, you know, working at all of these different agencies you've worked and working with a lot of great creatives, um, both who, you know, reported to you and also that you reported to. Um, Who's had some of the biggest impact on your career and how you think about your career?
1: Oh, certainly from a start, Dave Cook and Nick Cohen and um, Michael Reich, who were the three creative directors of Mad Dogs, were so great because. and, and it's funny because I always say that they were doing interactive before there really was interactive. Um, the reason why is they always asked us to look at every piece of paper, every print ad we ever did, every out of home, and say, how is somebody going to, how can it be more than just a thing, a message coming at somebody? How can somebody take it and make it their own? How can somebody, like literally and sometimes, pick it up, fold it, turn it into something? Um, how can you get people thinking of other examples, uh, that they would like to add to it? How can you get people to, to complete the thought? And, 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 and a lot of what Mad Dogs did was playing games with the audience and, and really, um, uh, asking them to be a participant in the, in the message you were putting out, which was awesome. Like creatively, that is so cool to get to see, um, other people actually interacting and thinking about the, the, storyline or the idea that you put out with is awesome. So they were, they were amazing. They were also amazing because they had really high standards. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Dave Cook trained a lot of people in this industry. Um, a lot of great people have come through, Mad Dogs and Englishmen, you can, you, I mean, Dan Lucy, Chris Beresford Hill, uh, James Dawson Hollis, my husband James Robinson. Um, oh, Spencer Bame at mm-hmm. at, um, at uh, Virtue, Michael Fanuel, like tons of great people. Um, but they did it by being really hard, but in a way that, um, you know, you did, they weren't dicks. They were like, <laughs> he used to look at work and used to go, not funny, and he would throw it on the ground. Not funny, not funny. He's this really hard Northern English guy. Not funny, sort of funny. That was a good one. If you got sort of funny, that was awesome. You scored. Um, so those guys were awesome. Was that hard in the early days? I oh, mean, yeah. you were sort of
0: this like, you know, you were junior and yeah. you had, you know, sort of, it's it's like that balance between tough love, but also sometimes that love can get too tough. Did you ever cry?
1: Oh my God. I cried the first day. Oh, the second day. So he, he briefed me on, um, oh my God, this was, this is a great story. Dave briefed me on Blue Moon Radio, uh, do Blue Moon Beer had a radio ad and I, and God bless, they let, they let the interns just do all of the things. All of them. It wasn't like, here, would you do this shitty thing? They were like, here, this is the best opportunity we have going on. Let's see what you got for it. And so um, it was a radio ad for Blue Moon Beer. And I remember I wrote an ad, and it was terrible. I think it might have been like, I don't know, four or five minutes long. <laughs> I think, And I think that if I think about what, what the idea was, I'm pretty sure it was about a dog who didn't want you to give him Budweiser. He wanted you to give him Blue Moon Beer, right? He wanted the good beer, right? So it's actually just a kind of flimsy It could be funny, I don't know, but it was really flimsy. And I'll tell you what, it was not funny. So I read it and I was nervous. You had to read it. I had to read it. I read it to him and I was. And and internals used to be very public. You would sit there in front of everybody and you would read it in front of everybody. And I was nervous. I was a kid, you know, like I said, maybe it was my third day in. And my voice was shaking and it was taking a long time. And I didn't. I wanted to finish the script and I kept on going. And I said afterwards, I'm like, I'm sorry, I think um, my reading made that not funny. And he said, it wasn't your reading that made that not funny. <laughs> and I, and I, I cried the whole way home, but the next day I went and talked to him, and he was like, "Look, you know, basically, we're going to be hard here, but it's going to be for your own good." And 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 they were. And I have to tell you, like, I still have such fondness for him and his mentorship, and just the ability to 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 be truth truthful about the standards that they had. And 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 I hope that going forward that I can be truthful about the standards we have all the time or that I have all the time and try to find a way to do it that is both, um, you know, uh, inspiring, hopefully, uh, not makes anybody cry, but, but also that inspires people to want to hold themselves to those high standards. Do you still cl- cry at work? I cry. I do not all the time, but I cry when I'm proud, which happens a lot because we have amazing people. Um, and so that's when I cry I cry if, if we're, this is... I cry if I if I'm reading or or sharing an idea with somebody who and and it's something that I am feeling. I'm not afraid to like I, I can't help it. I I break a little You're bit. You're emotional. Yeah, I'm emotional. I'm emotional, and that's not a bad thing. Like I feel like too often we um, in business hold ourselves to try to be um, these strong, you know, the, the cliche shoulder pad business people, business business women especially. You know, especially I think, for women. I think especially for the women.
0: stoic kind of...
1: Yeah. But, but we're, we're in a new age, I think, where um, people understand that emotion is something that helps you entertain and connect with an audience. And, and I think people are also sick of the fake bullshit. I think they want real. I don't know. That's my, that's my feeling. Just interacting with people. Um, I can't be anything but who I am. And if part of that is crying when I read a script that is breaking my heart... Then I'll do that. Um, what about conflict? How much conflict is there just as necessary part of doing business? Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be, like, every day there's conflict. It's funny. When I became an executive creative director for the first time, which was a Pereira, uh, Odell, Andrew Odell will kill me if I don't say Odell. I yeah. uh, know. <laughs> don't Sometimes you just end up saying, you know, Pereira. I would be in a lot of trouble um, you know, I realized that my, my job was having, uh, awkward conversations constantly, like pretty much five or six awkward conversations, seven conversations, you know, a day. Just things, about work or? Yeah. Things from like, Hey, you know what? I think we need to make this better. You know, I, I, I you didn't go
0: with the f- not funny. No, no, funny. No. <laughs> not funny.
1: no, I try not to, <laughs> but you know, you have to be honest when it's not, of the standard that you want. Um, Or, you know, having a tough conversation with a client where you're like, okay, let's, let's figure out what it is you're not liking about this work so that we can get to better work together. Um, So, you know, as a, as an executive creative director, a lot of your job is having awkward conversations with people, you know, telling creative directors that you really respect that you don't think the work is there yet, or um, talking, calling up a client, you know, and just being like, hey, I'm heard that didn't go well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you weren't liking about the work. Let's talk about how we can get to a better place. Um, and so you kind of have to get really comfortable with, with conflict very fast. I am not, I'm not a big fan of conflict. But you're the happiest person I know, ever. I know. Oh, thank you for saying that. I try to, I I try to, I have to, I definitely have to take a deep breath before any kind of moment of conflict and go, okay, let's talk about the situation. And, and you know, I read, um, or I heard a great piece of advice once, and I think it was from this book called Crucial Conversations that a management coach made me read, um, which was about asking yourself before any moment of conflict, what is it that I want from this? What do I want for the relationship? What do I want for the piece of work? Um, am I ever going to say anything because I just want to win? Because just winning is not the right, it's not a good enough reason to go into an engagement or have that, that, that idea of... Um, uh, or that feeling in your head. So, yeah. So I think that that makes, I think it makes going into conflict when you're, when you're aware of what it is that you want out of it and, and, and you check to make sure that that is a positive goal, then it makes going into conflict a lot easier. It's, uh, you mentioned competition, but it's so funny because you
0: always hear about people in, you know, especially agencies say, competition is so important it's it's how the industry is almost set up it's set up in this way to compete and we talked about this earlier where we're now competing against many different entities um it almost feels like you're you personally wear have to wear a lot of different emotional hats like it's your yes. hat when you walk into the office and then your hat when you're have to have a difficult conversation and then maybe your your creative hat when you have to dream and think of something big
1: yeah. I mean, um, should I talk about competition or different hats? Either way. Okay. Um, it's kind of like Beauty Inside. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, you remember when he was all those different people? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, the different hats, You, you, I think probably the most exhaust, I come home at night and I am shattered more more than I've ever been. And I think part of that is, you know, literally every 30 minutes, my I have to change my role, you know, and, um, and, and I have to change what we're talking about. And I have to try to bring my... Best game to whatever it is that we're, I'm doing at that time, and you know when you have back to back 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 meetings all day, and you're kind of bringing your your best self every all day to different things, and you have to quickly turn on um, to whatever it is that is, um, you get really tired really fast. Yeah, but that's where I f- maybe your children's
0: party entertainer skills <laughs> come in
1: handy. You have to you have to be you know you have to play different roles. Yeah, baby. I mean, I, I love it. I have to say because. You know, I think one of the great gifts that this industry gives people is the ability to focus on different problems. Just even basically by the structure of our industry, people are generally on different things every couple of months. You know what I mean? Um, and so, so I think that um, that it's it keeps everything fresh and interesting. And it keeps your mind nimble. I always hear those advertisements on NPR for you know some kind of brain games or whatever that keeps you you know your brain mentally sharp when you're 65, if you're 70 or 80 when you're doing it. If you're doing it now, I'm like, okay, we're all going to be like geniuses when we're older because we're, we have to change our bra- our brains and, and shake everything up every, every five minutes.
0: Absolutely. If you weren't doing this, what would you do?
1: Nothing. Nothing at nothing, all? Nothing, nothing. I You'd be like this. a real housewife? No, 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 no. I just can't imagine it. Like I wanted oh, it nothing. since I was a kid. Like, I don't know. You have no idea. I, have, I don't know.
0: That's Jamie Robinson, co-founder of creative agency, Joan. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like this episode, please subscribe. We're on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review, rate the show, or just tweet at us. We'll see you next week.